0: You are listening to the Long Hollow Students Podcast. For more information and to stay updated, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at LH Students. What is up? Uh, you like these eggs? Hey, you might get a chance in a minute to taste some more. Yes. Yeah. All right. Man, how are you guys doing? I'm good. You good? good. Man, I'm good. Y'all look good. Hey, I like this. Y'all, so I don't know if you noticed, this week we did something a little different. Y'all are a lot closer to me. So that means I can reach out and do this right here. Man, I like this. This is nice. All right. Man, I feel like I just got off the off the, off the the court at a basketball game. Man, so how are you guys doing? Good? All right. Man, so I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a huge history buff. So in college, I'm minored in history, and so I love it. I love learning about it. I love what it tells about our future, what it tells about our past, everything. If you don't know, and history has so much to say. And so Alexander the Great is one of my favorite people. I love Alexander the Great. I love how he led battles. I love a lot about him. But one thing that Alexander the Great did or, or was was he was ruthless when it came to deserters, people who would go to battle with him and run off the field. They would run out of fear and out of terror of the people they were attacking. And so when they would do this, a lot of times they would be apprehended or they would be caught either while they were running, while they were fleeing battle, or after the battle had finished. And so I'm about to tell a story about a time when that happened. And so Alexander the Great and his army, they were engaged in a pretty gruesome battle. And they were probably fighting against the Gauls, which... I can go into detail about that, but you guys don't need to know it. But anyways, they were fighting this battle, and a soldier saw the battle, saw these Gauls who were otherwise known as barbarians, saw how gruesome they were, and ran the other way. And so Alexander the Great finds, or Alexander the Great and his army, they find this deserter and they bring them before Alexander the Great for questioning. So Alexander the Great is looking at this deserter, and he goes. Tell me your name. So the deserter, this coward, this this weak little phlegm of a man, looks at him and goes and tries to say his name, but he can't because he's got so much fear because of Alexander the Great and his presence is so gruesome. So he mumbles under his breath where Alexander the Great can't hear him, and this enrages Alexander the Great even more. So Alexander the uh, Great, again, asks this man, Coward, what? is your name? And the man replies, this time barely audible, but audible enough to where Alexander the Great can hear him. Alexander. Alexander the Great looks at this man. He's astonished. He's taken back because, see, Alexander the Great had such a high standard, not only for his soldiers in battle, but for his name, that anybody who fought for him, he wanted them to live to a standard. But if they fought for him and they had his name, he wanted them to live to a higher standard because not only did they disgrace Alexander the Great and his army, but they also disgraced his name, which there's a history of names where a name means a lot. A name says a lot about who you are. And so this man, deserting the battle, but also having the name Alexander, doubly disgraced Alexander the Great. And so when this man says his name is Alexander, Alexander the Great looks at this man and says, Soldier, you either need to change your name or you need to change your lifestyle. Because this man, his lifestyle that that this man had was to run, was to flee, was to, to flee from battle, to run away. And so Alexander the Great looks at this man and he says, you need to change your name and not bring disgrace to me, or you need to change your lifestyle and live somewhere, some way differently. See, in ancient times, when you would pledge your allegiance to a king or a ruler, you pledged to live by the standard they set. And so, by this man not living by that standard, he had disgraced Alexander. And so, Alexander the Great, he can't have it. So, this brings us to our big idea tonight, that big living is living for God and not for yourself. See, God, much like Alexander the Great, has just as high, actually a whole lot higher standard for his name than Alexander the Great did for himself. And so this idea that we see in Alexander the Great in history and him having a high standard for his name, and Alexander, this lesser Alexander, this one who fled battle, who didn't fit that standard, that same thing happens when we, as believers, call ourselves believers but don't live a life like a believer. Paul, in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, talks about this. And so that's our text tonight. He talks about how we as believers, there are people who claim to be believers but don't live like it. And he's warning Timothy, Timothy, watch out for these guys, know them, look at their lives, figure out who they actually are. And if they're not believers, he says avoid them. So let's look at the text. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. But know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than the lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. I'm thankful for the fact that I get to stand up here and hang out with these students week in and week out. And I love hanging out with them. I love watching them worship. And I love, man, just getting to preach and, and speak and teach from God's word to them. Kind I'm excited about tonight. Tonight is some really cool stuff because I've been looking at it for the past week or so, and I'm so excited as we get to do this. God, God, you're so good and you're so faithful. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So for those of you who don't know me, my name's Nick, and so I'm here. I'm here every Wednesday hanging out with you guys. I'm here for the fall, and I'm so excited. Last week, if you were with us, Jerry Got to, Jerry spoke and he did a really good job talking about how, how the big living is living with Jesus in mind. And so he asked us a couple questions. He, the first question he asked us, he said, are you salt or are you salty? And so he coupled that phrase, that, that those words with this. Most of the time we are more worried about winning an argument than we are about winning someone to Christ. And so then he spoke about how our life is ultimately for someone else's benefit and not our own benefit, but it's for the benefit of someone else. And he, and he used... The words that Pastor Robbie is so, so, uses so frequently that the gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. And so last week, his walking corner, his action step, the thing that you could tangibly take away and do with was this. Do something for someone that has absolutely no benefit for you. So how many of you guys did that this week? Did it? All right. Got a couple people. All right. Cool, man. That means it's... it's Hey, you did the dishes. Man, that's something that I would not want to do. has no benefit for you. All right. So this brings us to point one. All right, point one is this. Recognize who you hang with. So let's look at the text again. So the text, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy, Timothy, brother, you need to watch out for these people. And he says this, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. And so when Paul tells Timothy that hard times are going to come in the last days, he's, saying, he's telling him this, this thing. He's, he's saying that, that hard times are going to come in the last days, the days between when Jesus ascended into heaven after, his, after the resurrection and after Acts 1.8 when he tells the disciples, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. After that ascension and then the time right before Jesus comes, comes back. And so that's the time that we're in right now. So that's what Paul's talking about here in these last days. All right? and he's saying, hey, hard times are going to come in this time frame. In, in this time between Jesus' ascension and him coming back, hard times are going to come. And, they're be, and it's going to be full of people who claim to be believers like we see in verse 5, but they're not. And, he sa- and so basically he's telling them, hey, you need to look at how they act. You need to look at what they do you need to look not only at what they say, but what their life truly looks like, and you need to determine if they are believers or not, because the, for a couple reasons. One, it's detrimental to, to Timothy's faith. If he's surrounding himself with these people who are claiming to be believers, but are doing the things that we see in verses three, one, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, that's going to be detrimental to his faith. But they're also detrimental to the Christian faith in general, because they're hypocrites. They're claiming one thing, but doing something else. And you can't be hit, or you can't read God's word and do, and, and be a, sl- you can't be slanderous, you can't be arrogant, you can't disobey parents by, when you read God's word and you truly understand what it means. So t- so t- uh, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to watch out for these people. And so basically he tells them, hey, look at how they live. See, they're lovers of self. That means they don't care about anybody but them. They love Money. So basically, that means that they make an idol or a god out of money. They're proud. They're boastful. They're arrogant. They're abusive. They're disobedient to their parents. And so I know that you guys—that's something that you guys do. That's something that I still deal, deal with. I just graduated college, and right now I'm living with my parents. And so I have to think to myself, Calvin, is that funny? It's pretty funny. I'm living with my parents, ain't it? Mm. Uh, hey, but I'm an old dude. I'm an old dude. But anyways. Y'all aren't as old as me, but anyways, but hey, but anyways, that's something that I have to deal with. I have to think about, man, am I obeying my parents? And even the small things when they ask me, hey Nick, can you can you take out the trash? Or hey Nick, can you do your dishes? Man, when I when I sit back and I don't give an answer, or I, or I don't or I, or I say, oh, not right now, I'll do it later. That's just as me, as well as me saying, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just obeying my parents. So they disobey their parents. They're ungrateful. That means that they don't, they, they're not grateful for what they have. Um, they're unholy. That means nothing in them points others to Christ. They're unloving, irreconcilable. They're slanderous. They say they're lovers of God, but they're not. So Paul is telling Timothy, he's warning Timothy, Timothy, be on the lookout for these people. Know what, they are, know what they're like. So verse 5, this is where he says it. He says they hold to the form of godliness, or they're holding to the form of... Godliness, but they deny its power. Avoid these people. And so there are two other passages that I think fit really well with this. And so the first one is this, Matthew 7, 16. It says, and so this right here is Jesus talking to um, some people. And he's saying, hey, you're going to recognize them by their fruit. So he's talking about believers and unbelievers. And so basically he gives the example of different trees and so these trees are not things that we normally think about so i'm going to give you an example of an orange and an apple tree all right so you know what an apple looks like you know what an orange looks like an apple is not going to be on an orange tree an orange is not going to be on an apple tree right that wasn't rhetorical you got to give me give me some yes all right okay all right so, so that's what jesus is saying jesus jesus says throughout the rest of the passage all right. right here Jesus says throughout the rest of the passage, he says, you're going to recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but every bad tree produces bad fruit. And so what Jesus is saying here, he's like, man, you're either a good tree that produces good fruit or a bad tree that produces bad fruit because there's no way that a bad tree can produce good fruit or a good tree can produce bad fruit. Another passage is First John 1, verse 6, he's, and this is John talking um, to some people, and he says, hey, if we say that we have fellowship with him, talking about Jesus, if we say that we have fellowship with, with, with him, or if we say that we're believers with him, and yet we walk in darkness, or we walk in sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so John, man, he's being really clear, and, and he's being really bold, and he's calling out a lot of people here, and he's saying, hey... You say you walk in fellowship with Jesus, but yet you walk in sin constantly and consistently. You're lying, and you don't practice the truth. So we have to ask ourselves this. Are we people? Are we a people? And, or, or, what do our fruits say about us? Do our fruits say that we're a good tree that produces good fruit or a bad tree that produces bad fruit? Are we walking in the darkness or are we walking in the light? Is your life a life that resembles true faith or false faith? So for those of you who don't know me, I came to Christ going into my freshman year of high school. And so, man, when I was in high school, I had a lot of friends that said that they love the Lord, like they were the president of FCA, like they were the people that other people would go to when they had something that they needed to be praying for, and so basically these people were like the super Christians, you know, we all know those people, they're the super Christians, and so I was like, cool, I want to be like these guys, I want to hang out with these guys, but when we went to college, then they started to live for the world, and so they started to turn away, and they started to run away, but yet they still claimed to be a Christian, so that's what Paul is talking about here and this, they 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 were giving God lip service. They were telling people that they were a believer, they were, and they, but they didn't look like it. And then, but they weren't giving God life service. They weren't proclaiming the gospel. They weren't getting in the Word. They weren't loving the things of God. And so, this is where we get our, our big our big idea tonight. That big living is living for God and not yourself. So this is what Paul, like I keep saying, this is what Paul is warning Timothy about. Timothy. Big living is living for God and not yourself. And so these people that we see in verses 1 through 5 here are living for themselves. They claim to be believers, but they're not. And Paul warns Titus. Titus is another one of Paul's dudes of this same thing in Titus 1.16. He says, They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Are you giving God lip service or are you giving God life service? More simply put, does your life testify what your lips proclaim about God on a daily basis? And so this brings to the question, this brings to mind, how do we proclaim Jesus and rely on the power of godliness but aren't liars, aren't, aren't false? How do we not deny its power? And so this, a so point two, is this, rely on the power of godliness. And so we get this from 2 Timothy 3, 5, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. So, how do we do this? How do we hold on to the form of godliness and not deny its power? How do we hold? How do we cling to that? And so, in this, this question, I think Paul gives some direction. So, the first place that I feel like Paul really gives us a lot of direction is 2 Corinthians thirteen five, where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church who are having some problems, and basically Paul says this: Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. So, basically, Paul is saying. You need to examine yourself. You need to look at yourself. You need to see, am I really a believer? I say I'm a believer, but am I really? Do I really believe what I say? Do I really practice what I say? And here Paul is telling the Corinthian church, you guys need to look at this. You guys need to really look to see if you're in the faith. And so second, I think Paul tells us what the true Christian life looks like in Colossians 5, 22, and 23. It says this, with the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, Paul here is saying the complete opposite of what he's telling Timothy here in 3, 1 through 5. 3, 1 through 5 is all about me, 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 where Galatians 5, and 23 is, is all about others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the same thing we talked about a couple weeks ago when we looked at 2 Timothy 2, where Paul's telling Timothy, flee, youthful passions, pursue righteousness love and peace this is the same thing that that paul is telling timothy here or or the galatians here and it's the same thing that paul is telling timothy not to pursue or to be aware of and this right here so just before paul tells the galatians that he tells the galatians what the christian life doesn't look like in 5 19 through 21 he says now the works of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality moral impurity promiscuity idolatry sorcery hatred strife Jealousy, outbursts of anger, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So students, what does your life look like? Is it the good tree that produces good fruit, or is it the bad tree that produces bad fruit? Are you the same person at church as you are at home? Are the same person you are at home as you are at school? none of you guys work, but when you work, will you be the same person now when you work? Examine your life. If I was to broadcast your life on these screens, let's say for the last week, every video you watched, every text you sent, everything you liked or viewed on Instagram or, or Snapchat or Facebook, y'all don't use Facebook anymore, but if, what if I did that? What would it it show about your life? And so I'm not talking about the momentary mistakes. We all make mistakes. I'm talking about your life in its entirety. From every week to week, day to day, weekend to weekend, what would we see? Would we see a life that proclaims God or a life that doesn't? Does your life testify what your lips proclaim? So my prayer, students, for you guys and for me is this is what Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 1.20. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but, now, but that now as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by my life or by my death. So students, is that you? Do you, do you want your life to be highly honored, honoring Christ? And so I've got these eggs up here, and... I like these eggs. These eggs are cool. And so these eggs are a lot like we use in the game. But I think these eggs represent something a lot a lot different. And so what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 5, can I get that up there on the screen? I don't want to get my my Bible or anything dirty. It's not 2 Corinthians, sorry. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Yeah, and so Paul says they hold to the form of godliness, but deny its power. Avoid these people. So both these eggs, you'd say, are, are eggs, right? But one is different on the inside than the other. So Paul, that's what Paul's talking about. Paul's saying, hey, they, they look the same on the outside. They, they claim to be the same on the outside, but on the inside they're completely different. And so this is us. We can either be an egg that's hard as a rock, or we can be an egg that has a heart that's open to Christ. So, this is us. So, as we close, as we end, and just think what does my life? say about me? Does my life testify what my lips proclaim about God? Let's pray.